Good morning, I'm Anna Palmer. And I'm Jake Sherman. And welcome to The Daily Punch, brought to you by Punchbowl News. It's Wednesday, March 2nd, 2022. Let's get into the mix. Here are your Washington headlines of the day. Number one, our reaction to President Joe Biden's first State of the Union address. And number two, Biden's SCOTUS nominee, Ketanji Brown-Jackson, is headed to Capitol Hill, who she'll meet with. And number three, the GOP's infighting drama. All right, Jake, let's get into it. The biggest headline today in Washington is looking at what and how President Joe Biden addressed many of the issues and crises facing him and the uh, the U.S., what's happening in Ukraine, but also focused heavily on uh, the domestic last night. Yeah, so his his speech was um, two parts in in essence. It was a foreign policy speech in which he talked about Ukraine and, and what he sees as Putin's miscalculation in Ukraine. Um, and number two was a domestic policy agenda. So let's let's our kind of take was was this Biden last year basically laid out an ambitious agenda, which we wrote in 2021 would remake America if enacted uh, last night. He didn't do that. He provided Democrats kind of the reset they've been looking for, which was, you know, a, a, rec- a recitation of what he and the Congress have done. They believe they've steered their way through the COVID pandemic. They passed the American Rescue Plan, all of those things. And also he 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 uh, kind of set, laid out a deconstructed um, Build Back Better bill and, um, and said that they need to get these things done. Of course, it was a reminder that they can't get these things done. <laughs> um, you know, it was a reminder that the con- the Congress he's been unable to convince or cajole or, you know, do anything of that nature. So um, I would say he can't convince them, he can't cajole them, and he can't control them. Um, and well, that's a lot. That's a lot of C's right there. A lot of C's that rhyme. I don't think it's like Wordle almost. So um, <laughs> now, listen. I, I want to say one more thing, then I'll kick it over to you, Anna. But um, an interesting dichotomy last night. He kind of embraced his progressive side, fifteen dollar minimum wage. He also can't get that done. Um, and. St- told CEOs to lower your costs, not your wages. He um, uh, still called for universal pre-K, higher taxes on corporations and the rich. But also, he said the answer to crime is not to defund the police, but fund the police. He called for border security. Um, So if you're looking for, if if your, your flavor of the moment is a pivot to the center, you had something there to, um, to talk about, uh, let me just say one, one more thing very quickly. Didn't he spoke about Ukraine a lot? Um, he didn't make a case, Anna. This is what stuck out to me. Um, he did not make a case for what what America's doing there. He didn't. He didn't lay out. And here's why you should care about the situation five thousand miles away in Ukraine. So that there that is kind of my. Our takeaway from I was in the I was in the chamber last night. Um, what say you? <laughs> yeah, I agree with a lot of that. I mean, I do think on the Ukraine piece, uh, they left something on the table. It felt a little bit um, 
on on Twitter, one of our former bosses, um, Susan Glasser, tweeted that the top felt a little bit like a retopped story that all of us journalists have done, where you kind of have a speech and you have a story, and then you, you the news happens and you have to like you know cut the top and just kind of slap something on top, and it, that felt right to me in terms of the the Ukraine piece because clearly the, the it's a very dynamic situation, it's a changing situation. Um, and so I, I, I think there was a missed opportunity there and to your point of really making the case to the American people about, um, why they should be invested in this and, and really what's the future of it. And maybe that's because it's a, it's a very ever changing situation. It was though, I will say a place where there was a lot of unity in a time in politics where there isn't a lot of unity. You had a lot of clapping and standing by Republican members of Congress, um, you know, being fairly supportive of the president and what he was saying. As far as the rest of the speech, you know, after those kind of first 12 minutes on Ukraine, uh, I think really was a grab bag, right? You could, it was a choose your own adventure. If you were a liberal or a progressive, you could find things that he said that made you super happy. As you said, you know, minimum wage, what he wants to do on a lot of different things. One thing that I thought was really missing that we didn't hear a lot on climate, one of the biggest issues that that Biden ran on, um, and, and clearly, you know, one of those things that has really been hard for them to figure out how to make a big effort on. And I do think if you were a conservative, you know, as you said, there, there was a lot of cheers when it came to how he spoke about gun control and, you know, the police force and immigration even, uh, in a way that we haven't had. So certainly, I don't think a game changer moment by by any stretch. I mean, I think it was kind of a, a continuation of him trying to wake the American people up, though, to say, hey, things aren't as bad as maybe you might feel. His poll, Biden's poll numbers are just in the gutter right now. And when it comes to inflation, his answer appears to be spend more. Um, and that doesn't seem to be resonating with the American people. Yeah, I, I think I think there's some truth to that. I mean, listen, this is a television moment, and I know I know we have a lot of uh, listeners who are um, in, both involved with the speech and involved with the reaction to the speech. So I don't want to I don't want to minimize it, but you know, the, the numbers of people who are watching the State of Uni- Union is declining. Although I will say, I mean, and we pointed this out in our Sunday special edition. Don't put it down. I mean, as I put it down, but don't put it down. I mean, because 30 million people still watch this speech and it's the president's opportunity to get an unbridled, just uninterrupted commercial for 30 minutes. And that's that's just there's nothing like that. So, I mean, listen, we wrote yesterday that people felt like um, they were treading water in in on the Hill, uh, that Democrats, that is so. Do I think that they will feel something different this morning? No, I don't. <laughs> I don't think so. I think that... The, we'll have to see. Is there is there a bump at all, right? I mean, I think a lot of that probably isn't... It's not the same as it was 10 to 20 years ago, but that's what that's what Biden's team is going to be looking for. Yeah, and, and Biden's going to go to Wisconsin today to try to amplify that message. Uh, Kamala Harris is going to Raleigh, North Carolina, so, you know, they'll hit the road. But, but um, at the end of the day... The reality remains that Congress is what it is. You have to live in the political moment that you're afforded, that you're given. And um, and that's something Joe Biden will have to live with. All right, let's move on quickly to the number two story of the morning. Judge Katanji Brown Jackson is making her first appearance as a Supreme Court nominee on Capitol Hill today. She's going to be meeting Jake with 
Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, Senate Judiciary Chair Dick Durbin, and Senate Senator Chuck Grassley, the Republican of Iowa, who is obviously ranking member on the Judiciary Committee. Uh, A big day for her and certainly for Biden's team to try to kind of get some momentum here for her nomination. Yeah, so meeting with uh, exactly right Chuck Schumer, uh, Dick Durbin, Chuck Grassley, and Mitch McConnell uh, will be accompanied by Doug Jones, the Sherpa, Louisa Terrell, the Ledge Affairs Director, uh, the uh, White House's senior legislative aide for the Senate, Rima Doden, uh, Dana Remus, the White House counsel, and Andrew Bates from the White House press office. So, um, you know, listen, these are pretty perfunctory meetings. Chuck Schumer is going to vote for Ketanji Brown-Jackson, as is Dick Durbin, and I don't imagine Chuck Grassley or Mitch McConnell will. Again, what we're looking out for in the next couple weeks, in the next couple days, less than weeks, I mean, it can't be weeks from now, but uh, is when she starts meeting with people like Susan Collins, Joe Manchin, um, uh, you know, people of that variety, Mitt Romney. Those are meetings that we're going to be increasing, incredibly interested in, not these people whose minds are made up. And let's move on quickly to the number three story of the morning for us, and one that is has gaining steam here, which is this Republican infighting. It continues to grow. The drama in the internal ranks uh, broke out in a pretty wild way, particularly for the Senate. We often talk about this in the House, right? The problems that House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy has with some of the far-right uh, Republicans in his ranks. But wowza, you rarely see... Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell go out as publicly against one of his own fellow conference members and and a member of leadership uh, as he did yesterday when it came to Senator Rick Scott of Florida, the chair of the National Republican Senatorial Committee. Yeah, let's dwell on this for one minute here. Um, I've never seen Mitch McConnell in in the years I've covered him, and I think you could say the same. Never seen him just completely eviscerate, uh, chew up and swallow and spit out or something like that. A member of his party, let alone his leadership, like you said, Rick Scott had put out this agenda a couple weeks ago. Um, I guess it was last week that called for a whole host of things, but Medicare, Medicaid changes, tax hikes. Uh, it was just who like why is the NRSC chair wasting any energy or any time putting out an agenda? Um, especially one that does not have the support of his membership. So Mitch McConnell was reflecting in many ways the the feeling of the Senate Republican Conference, which has no interest in what Rick Scott's agenda is, to be honest with you. The agenda that they're interested in is whether Rick Scott is going to get them back to majority. Other than that, they're not interested in his agenda. And Mitch McConnell just completely savaged him and said, "When if Republicans take back the majority, I, Mitch McConnell, am going to be Senate majority, or Senate majority Leader and I'll decide what's going to be on the floor, and this ain't going to be it. So um, uh, it was just a stunning, stunning uh, uh, body slam from McConnell in front of the cameras. Of course, Rick Scott ran away before the question started, uh, and our own John Bresnahan was the one who asked the question. So um, a fascinating, fascinating moment and peek inside the Republican Party at at, at this point in time. Of course, the drama in the House continues unabated. We, you know, it's it's hard to even know where to start uh, when you look at this. Uh, whether it's Representative uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene and Paul Gozar speaking at a meeting of 
white supremacists last weekend. Uh, you have Republican representatives Chip Roy, Andrew Clyde, and Thomas Massey voting against a bill that would make lynching a federal hate crime. Uh, the the list goes on, even including Lauren Boebert last night getting headlines um, in terms of yelling out and and kind of making trying to to really kind of go up against the president during the State of the Union in, in multiple occurrences. Yeah, the, the, the Republic, if it weren't for Ukraine and, and the president's 35 to 40 percent approval rating, we would be talking about the mess in the Republican Party right now. And we are talking about it, but we'd be talking a lot more about it. Um, uh, I mean, let's just say this. It's 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 lucky that that the for Republicans who are favored to take back the majority, that the president is where he is and the world is where it is at the moment. So um, I, let's just leave it at that. I mean, it's it's a complete mess. We got into it all in in Punchbowl News AM. And, and please take a look at it because it's a it's pretty pr- a pretty bizarre scenario. All right. And with that, thanks so much for listening. Leave us a rating and review. You can also subscribe to Punchbowl News and get all of the details of what we talk about every morning at punchbowl.news. Have a great day and stay safe.